Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow. All in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Hello and welcome to Ascent Dental Radio, a program dedicated to the balance between the clinical aspect of healthcare and the business of healthcare. And now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin Coughlin. This is Dr. Kevin Coughlin. You're listening to Ascent Dental Radio. My website is ascent-dental-solutions with an emphasis on knowledge, consultation, development, and training. As you know, I have 14 dental practices here in Western Massachusetts, and I'm a wet finger dentist practicing dentistry every day. I have a guest today, Dr. Chris Ferugia, who I had the pleasure of not only reading his three books, but listening to him lecture. And I can tell you, taking almost a thousand continuing education courses a year, uh, Dr. Chris has been uh, just a phenomenal just an emphasis to rekindle my fires about medical billing, the importance of medical billing, but the message that he provides of not creating tooth dust, but creating knowledge and medical experience, I think is very uplifting for myself and the profession. Uh, with no further ado, Dr. Farukia, Chris, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, your practice, and how you got involved with uh, becoming an expert in medical billing? Sure, Kevin. Thank you, and thank you for having me. Uh, I, too, am a practicing dentist. Um, I have a DDS degree from Emory. I've been in private practice for 32 years. And I'm a general dentist. I'm a restorative dentist, uh, not a surgically based practice at all, but I do enjoy restoring teeth. And a few years ago, uh, it was the purchase of uh, Cone Beam CT that actually led me to medical billing. And 
any technology should um, be able to pay for itself, and I didn't really understand how CT could pay for itself. Uh, I bought it on a leap of faith, but um, in the effort to learn how to be compensated for the CTs that I was taking, that's what led me to medical billing. And in my particular case, uh, there were no, at the time, there were no good instructional courses available, and it was a lot of trial and error. When I began, certainly more error than trial. And over the course of a couple of years, I figured out how the medical billing would work, not only for CT, but I also discovered all of the other things that are payable to dental practices by medical insurance. And that's what I've distilled into the three books that uh, Kevin had mentioned. Um, and uh, that, that's the knowledge that I try to share with um, your listeners today and um, those that I speak to. Chris, uh, during your lecture series uh, that I attended, uh, what struck me uh, as very pertinent was really we're all doctors. Uh, there's physicians, mm-hmm. there's dentists, but we're all healthcare providers. And you struck me with some of your statistics that most physicians, 80 to 90 percent of their income comes from diagnosis, whereas in yes. the dental profession, the majority of our income comes from procedures. Uh, so yes. we're, what I always said, uh, we're like uh, um, peace workers with white coats on. If we're not actually spinning that drill, we're not making an income. Could you talk to that in a little more depth? Sure. Uh, that's actually a, a subject near and dear to my heart. Um, I refer to it as being uh, on the island of dentistry, and our profession really has been segregated and separated from the medical mainland. And that discussion on how that happened, that's probably a two-hour conversation over a cocktail. But the fact is that we have also become procedure-based. And it's it's just a uh, unfortunate occurrence that we have come to believe that if we are not cutting teeth, that we should not be compensated uh, at all. And medicine doesn't work that way. I actually had a conversation with my medical GP and I asked him what percentage of his practice fee revenue came from diagnostics. And I was shocked when he told me that it was 85% of his fee revenue. So basically he's being paid 85% of his fee revenue from thinking, from making a medical decision, from making a diagnosis, for not doing anything at all. And the reverse is true on the island of dentistry that we derive very little from our diagnosis because we're in such a hurry to get to the teeth where we can cut them and make the tooth dust where the money is that we give away the diagnosis or we discount it. And I know personally, when I looked at this at the time, my fee revenue for diagnosis was about 8%. And that's probably very typical for dental practices across the country um, because we just feel like if if we didn't do anything, if we didn't cut a tooth, if we didn't do a procedure, that we really shouldn't be paid anything. And that's something that medical billing gives you an opportunity to reassess, and it just comes down to the frame of mind on whether you consider yourself to be a tooth mechanic, a tooth dust maker, or a physician of the mouth. And uh, I choose the, the latter approach, and I, I, I think that um, our profession as a whole would benefit from 
uh, viewing the services that we render in that perspective. Well, uh, to get to some of the nuts and bolts for our listeners, uh, I know you've mentioned the cone beam, the ability to Mm -hmm. see three-dimensionally what a two-dimensional radiograph uh, is unable to show most practitioners. Mm -hmm. And uh, some of our listeners do have uh, the cone beam, others don't, Mm -hmm. but I think you and I would Mm -hmm. both agree you can't treat what you can't see. And by being able to see in a three dimensions, not only is it a wonderful educational tool for our patients, but it makes us better diagnosticians and allows us to perhaps uh, uh, practice at a higher level of sophistication. And it sends a subliminal message that we're serious about our profession and we're trying to do what's best for our profession. Uh, Can you and your experience uh, explain to the listeners how the uh, three-dimensional image has improved your diagnosis and uh, a little more in depth of how you use that with medical billing. Absolutely. Uh, And honestly, I purchased CT for just those reasons, to be a better diagnostician, to be a better dentist, because I I do not place implants or do those type of surgeries. So I had to uh, figure out how this would be economically viable in even a non-surgical practice such as mine. And what I learned, and keep in mind that I'm, I'm in northwest Florida, which is basically lower Alabama. So in my area, the fee revenue uh, reimbursement rates are probably some of the lowest in the country. And what I've learned is that um, in my practice with CT, I'm reimbursed on average about $400 per CT, and uh, that's that's awesome. But the other thing that you have to understand is that medical insurance will only pay for CTs when they're medically necessary, and that's true for any procedure that they pay for, whether it's an examination or what, what have you. It's the medical necessity that uh, determines whether or not medical insurance will pay a dental practice. And in our practice, uh, and I think across the, the country, that if, if you have a practice that does not have CT, that if you look at the orthopanograms, the pans that are taken in these practices, um, what you can't see, there would be medical necessity at least 40% of the time that would justify CT. When I say justify CT, that means that medical insurance would pay for it. So again, the important thing is to understand that medical necessity drives the insurance uh, industry when medical insurance will pay dental practices when that's established. Uh, and that's certainly true in a large number of our cases with um, CT and other, other procedures. I noticed that uh, a- as a general dentist like yourself uh, and doing uh, surgical procedures, uh, that many times mm-hmm. we'll use an exodontia, we'll remove a tooth. Uh, but if that yeah. tooth has a periapical pathology on it, a cyst, a granuloma yeah. on it, that mm-hmm. in essence is a medical billable code. Am I correct on that? Yes. Yeah. And many uh, times as dentists, because we're we're not trained uh, in the dental schools, and unless we go to a course uh, f- with someone like yourself, I don't think mm-hmm. most of our listeners would even think that the extraction of a tooth uh, 
could be a medical necessity outside of trauma. Uh, I would think most of our listeners understand that a trauma case does present medical necessity in most cases. Am I correct on yes. that? Uh, absolutely. Uh, other areas that uh, I think our listeners might benefit from is the actual uh, sleep apnea, the ability mm-hmm. to look at a 3D image, measure the airway, and uh, mm-hmm. provide uh, the backup uh, with sleep studies that indicate uh, an oral uh, type of appliance would be uh, a, a medical necessity to uh, perhaps reduce hypertension uh, and improve the patient's overall health. Uh, could you go into that in a little detail? Yeah, and let me let me go back to your, your illustration or the scenario where an abscess tooth that has a periapical uh, uh, pathology, whether it's a cyst or whatever, if you consider that, let's say that we had a tooth that had a uh, failing endo, um, uh, endodontic therapy, and that over the years uh, that there was chronic pain and swelling on again, off again, treated by antibiotics, um, the likelihood that we have a, a cyst that is formed at the apex of the tooth. Well, if the decision is made to remove the tooth, what is the first thing that a dentist does once the tooth is out of the out of the uh, socket? Well, we go, we take a curette, and we're taught to go into the site to remove the cyst or any remnants of the cyst. And we do not even charge for that procedure. We say, oh, we'll just pay us to remove the tooth, but uh, we're going to throw in removing or nucleating a cyst. Well, it's actually more advantageous if you just look at it from a medical point of view. There's something that was outside of the tooth. And that's really, if you want to draw a line in the sand and decide what is dentally necessary and medically necessary, is it inside of the tooth or outside? And anything that is outside of the tooth has a medical component to it. So in that scenario, if you flip it around and you look at it medically, then it's the cyst removal, which was the necessary treatment. And how was the cyst removed? Well, it was made through an access gain by removing the tooth. And that's just a difference in perspective that's necessary to understand what's billable to medical insurance. And to your point about CT and airway, there's no question that being able to map the the airway and, and, and identify visually in cross-section and in three dimensions where the res- restrictions and constrictions are, are a benefit. I can tell you, taking the temperature of medical insurance currently, that medical insurance now is only starting to pay for CT for that airway evaluation. They typically will pay for an orthopanogram and a lateral step for airway assessment but more and more medical insurances are starting to cover CT as they understand that that gives uh, valuable information in the diagnosis and actually saves them money where they don't have to have repeated sleep studies to arrive at a diagnosis or effective therapy for that. So um, there, there's, a, there's a changing standard of care in the medical community on that, but I know that medical insurances are starting to cover the CT for that very, that, that very reason. Chris, if I could get into some nuts and bolts again with you. Mrs. Smith comes sure. to your practice. It is not a medically necessary procedure. Uh, it is just a straight dental patient, and you use your cone beam, uh, your Galileo. You take a, 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 a Panorex, but you have a 3D mm-hmm. view for it. But it's yeah. purely dental. 
And let's just say your fee for that is $160. Now, Mr. Jones walks into your practice and clearly has a medical necessity. Uh, It was a motor vehicle accident. There's trauma to the temporomandibular joint. There's potential fractures, et cetera, et cetera. Do you have two separate fee schedules, or is that just one fee? Uh, can you explain to the listeners that slippery slope to make sure that we're on the right page and understanding this correctly? Absolutely. And first of all, uh, it's very simple. Your fee is your fee is your fee is your fee. You cannot have a separate fee structure based on the insurance status of the patient. Uh, you cannot say, well, we will, if you have medical insurance, we charge this. If you don't, we charge that. Uh, you can't do that. So it really is your fee. The fee for CT for one patient is the same uh, as it is for another, uh, irregardless of their, um, of their medical insurance or dental insurance or whether they're cash payments or cash payments or that. Now, certainly we do have, you know, some flexibility in, in giving courtesies and things like that. But you cannot have a separate fee schedule like that. But let me go back to the scenario that you presented. And, Kevin, I would um, point out that both of those patients have medical necessity. Any new patient that presents to a dental practice for a comprehensive exam, which goes beyond counting the teeth, is medical necessity because at the very least, those patients are being screened for oral and maxillofacial cancer. So the exam itself, even in that first scenario, there was medical necessity for the exam and the appropriate radiographs, even in the absence of trauma. Now, a trauma patient, you know, that's an obvious medical necessity. But again, it's just going back to the perception of what is it that we do for our patients. And any new patient that came in, for an examination uh, includes a thorough examination of their head and neck. We palpate the neck to look for bad things, for um, in, in large lymph nodes, for you know the things that that will show up uh, pathologically in our area of expertise, which is beyond the teeth. And I would remind the audience that if you look at the um, definition of the scope of our practice. The scope of our practice is not limited to teeth. In fact, the word teeth does not even appear in the ADA's definition of the scope of our our practice. And that's because the practice of dentistry involves more than the teeth, more than the oral cavity. It includes the adjacent and associated structures next to the oral cavity. So medical necessity is actually a little broader um, scope if you step back and look at it in those terms. You've been listening to Ascent Radio. My name is Dr. Kevin Coughlin. Uh, Kevin, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's always uh, exciting to talk to an audience about the possibilities of their practice uh, with medical billing by opening up a a source of fee revenue that is not uh, currently being explored by very many dental practices at all. So thank you very much for that. And for those that would like to get in touch with me directly, Uh, My website is SuccessfulMedicalBilling.com, and that's easy to remember because there is medical billing where you put codes on a piece of paper and you ask a medical insurance company to give you money, and they usually decline to do that. 
versus successful medical billing where you actually get paid. And that's my website, successfulmedicalbilling.com. And if you go to the website, there's a contact form where you can drop me an email um, or you can email me directly at chris at successfulmedicalbilling.com. And uh, just to be advised that what I do tell my audience is that I will answer every email that I get. However, my rules are this. You need to phrase your questions where the answer is five words or less because if I have to write a book, please don't be offended if I don't respond. But I love answering questions and being that resource. And on the website, my schedule, if you would like to learn more about medical billing or how to get started in your practice, my live course schedule is available on the website. And in mid-December, we'll be launching uh, an online learning center too. So feel free to check that out at SuccessfulMedicalBilling.com. Um, and again, Kevin, thank you so much for having me, and I, I look forward to uh, talking to you again. I can assure you that our listeners are greatly appreciative, and once again, I walk away learning more and more every time I speak to you. Chris, thank you so much for your time and expertise. Have a wonderful day. You're welcome, and thank you, Gavin. Bye now. Bye-bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.